Welcome to Nerds of the Roundtable, a podcast on a quest for quality pop culture. I'm Sammy. And I'm Dwayne. And, ladies and gentlemen, as you could hear, we are missing our third musketeer once again. Um, once more, we're just asking please, prayers, thoughts, whatever type of good vibes you could send uh, towards Jamie and his family right now. They could really use it. Um, and, you know, we got great listeners, so we know you will. But um, tonight, basically, we're going to be getting into something. Uh, Dwayne, I think this was uh, your pick, wasn't it, sir? Uh, yeah, this was my pick. I actually uh, had uh, you know, been talking about this for a while. We kind of visited season one a little bit on an old news episode. Uh, so we're going to let that stand as our review for that. We're going to dig into... The Mandalorian season two, as aired on Disney Plus, uh, directed, show ran, uh, well, really directed by a lot of different folks, but kind of show <laughs> ran, produced by John Favreau and Dave Filoni. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah, this is a continuation of our friend Mando or Din Djarin or uh, the Mandalorian uh, bounty hunter, whatever you want to call him, uh, Pedro Pascal. Oh, yeah. We have Carl Weathers, uh, Gina Carano, uh, some new faces showing up that I'm really yeah. excited to get into as, as we discuss the show. But uh, Sam, you know, there's something that we always do before we really get digging into our show. We tell our friends about some things we've been getting into, about some things we've been enjoying in our Keeping It 100 section. So... Let's go ahead and fire up that tape. It's time to keep it 100. 100. 100. 100. All right. I'm leading off with this keeping it 100 thing. And I really hate that Jamie is absent today because I was able to acquire a copy an audio copy of a book that we talked about. Recently, I'd done Agatha Christie's uh, Murder on the Orient Express. And his recommendation, uh, I, I listened to The Murder of Roger Ackroyd. Mm -hmm. um, I, I don't know why, Sam, I'm getting into these old murder mysteries. Uh, these, uh, you know, this Agatha Christie, you know, Murder She Wrote is is what I always think of when I when I think of Agatha Christie, and uh, you know, this this was just a joyous listen. I'm sure it's a quick, fun read. Um, I actually finished it up in about a half a shift at work. <laughs> uh, it's kind of a brisk take. It's it's it was really fun, uh, succinct, and you know, much like Agatha Christie, some nice twists and turns. So, The Murder of Roger Ackroyd by Agatha Christie was mine. Cool. And and that was the one that, that Jamie suggested, wasn't it? Yes. Yeah, because I was that. talking about digging into Murder uh, murder on the Nile, mm -hmm. you know, after, after or Death on the Nile. And Correct. Murder on the Orient Express, which I just finished. Uh, he, but he recommended this one, so I was able to, to dig in. And it was a ton of, ton of fun. Awesome, awesome. All right, well, I'll start my timer here. So, um, you know, on our 2021 preview episode, my most looked forward to television show was the Doctor Who festive special that debuted on New Year's Day. Um, and, of course, that's going to be my Keep It 100 because it was brilliant. 
not only do we get a fantastic performance by Jodie Whittaker as the Doctor, we get Daleks, we get the return of both Chris Noth as sleazy businessman Jack Robertson and John Barrowman as Captain Jack Harkness. And you just can't go wrong with John Barrowman. Um, in true festive form, though, we did say goodbye to some characters. We lost mm. a couple companions. Um because they're just quitting the show, essentially. Um, but we did get in, get introduced to the next companion very briefly. So uh, for Series 13, the Doctor and Yasmin Khan are going to be in, uh, basically joined by Dan. We have no surname yet. But it, <laughs> he's played by John Bishop, who is a comedian and actor in the UK. So uh, I'm really looking forward to seeing how he fits in. But I guess we'll have to see if Series 13 makes my keeping at 100 when that comes out. Oh, I'm, I'm sure. <laughs> uh, I'm sure it will. Uh, Dan, being the new com- being a new companion introduced, does he have a rival, a competitor named Dave? Oh, I don't think so. Okay. okay. I didn't know. I didn't know if you would uh, if you would get that uh, little bit I of a dive there. I get uh, it. I get it. Yeah, you shared We're a similar age. Remember a Sean Bean meme. Uh, recently on our Facebook page about one to simply not watch Doctor Who without or British TV without seeing Doctor Who actors. That's right. And uh, so I had to explain the whole Doctor Who phenomenon and not being a Doctor Who fan myself. Uh I had to explain the whole phenomenon to my son when he seen the meme. He's like, what's up with this dad? I don't get it. Well, it's Doctor Who. So I, I, I told him, and I think we have a very curious mind for Doctor Who in the house right now. Was this possibly why he was wanting to talk to me the other day? No, this no, this was not. This was after. This was after. Okay. That. Yeah, I wasn't for sure. Yeah, this was after. That. He's he's <laughs> kind of uh, going through a couple different phases right now. I, I can't I can't keep up with uh, with his interests. But one thing that is of interest, uh, I'm really curious about your thoughts and grades and even Jamie, though he's not with us, he sent us some information for the show. Thoughts and grades about The Mandalorian Season 2. So, Sam, why don't you lead us off there? All right. Simply, this is the way. Honestly. Um, You know, since I was a youngling myself, I've been fascinated by Boba Fett, The Mandalorians. You know... Everybody was digging on the Jedi. I liked the smugglers, the bounty hunters. That was my thing. So this show in general is right up my alley. The moment from even season one when Mando walks in and that armor's there, I am in 100%. Um, You know, I am as happy as little Grogu with that gear shift knob. You know, and, 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 you know, and it's even seeing Bo-Katan, seeing the Darksaber, all those you know, things that came from Clone Wars. I love that. And that really, really made me happy. Um, so season one w- was all I thought I could ever wish for. But I'm going to be really honest. Season two topped it. And so this is a grade A plus for me. Okay. Well... <clears throat> You know, and you were talking about, you know, the, the Jedi, the smugglers and the different things that you were into. You know, always a huge fan of the Mandalorian armor, the Mandalorian mm-hmm. look, Boba Fett, even though some say he went out like a punk. <laughs> you know, in Return of the Jedi, you know, it was so much fun. And this show has really taken 
the great things of Star Wars, it's really taken that kind of Western vibe, that feel. It's taken a lot of the character designs, uh, the environments, and just brought them to life in that dirty, used universe. Um, you know, these guys are recovering from the Galactic Civil War, you know, with the Death Star is just blowing up, you know, like five years before. Uh, you know, which puts us in the timeline here. But, you know, John Favreau scored with Iron Man. Mm-hmm. Dave Filoni scored with the Clone Wars. They got Star Wars right. They Peanut got the, and jelly. Yeah, <laughs> right. <laughs> they they got it right. They're playing in this sandbox and just making it so so much fun. Uh, I, I I can't I can't agree more. Uh, this is an A plus in my book. This is classic Star Wars vibe. And uh, I know I'd alluded to Jamie sending us some information about the show. He did send a grade. So he I did. They're going to have a special uh, ceremony for the Mandalorian because it, it's an A plus in Jamie's book too. And I know he was, you know, kind of skeptical about some of the episodes in season one, not quite hitting it. But he's 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 given this one an A plus, and and I, I can't agree more. And this is very suiting for a Ring of Honor. Yes, uh, I can't. I can't wait to to add this there. So uh, it's it's been a while since we have had a uh, addition to the Round Table Ring of Honor. It has. It's been a minute. It it's has. Been. So uh, it's good to see Mando going in there. Yeah, it, it really is, and and like I said, you know, I I can't be be more agreeable. You know that that these guys got it right. You know, they, they got the vibe of Star Wars. Uh, you know, Dave Filoni, uh, especially, you know, with the Clone Wars, he, he talks about it. And if you watch the ancillary material where the, the directors and producers are sitting mm-hmm. around the round table talking, you know, he, he's sitting there, he's saying, you know, I, I was with George. George is telling me this is what Star Wars is. This is where we're going this is how you develop the characters. It's not about spaceships. It's not about this. It's about family. It's mm-hmm. about relationships. And, you know, they just got it so right. But give me the spaceships. Give me the, the, the creations. <laughs> give me the blaster sword, you know, the laser swords and blasters. Uh, you know, we'll take it all. That's yeah, right. We'll take it all. And, you know, the environments are so vivid. And, and flushed out. Some of them are pretty skanky, Sammy. Yep. You know, he's a bounty hunter. He's in the underworld. I really, really hope they had some fans in those sewers that he was wandering through. So let's take this part of the show and get our fans out for The Mandalorian Season 2. Take a trip down memory lane to the old five and dime where sammy aka comic book kid takes a look at the origin of some of our favorite heroes and villains in his podcast one thin dime focusing on the golden and silver ages of comics when the cover price was just 10 cents check him out every week on your podcast feed of choice one thin dime all right so i guess i'm going to be leading off on 
fans. And, you know, I'm sure we've all seen the meme, right? Poor Pedro Pascal's back, right? (laughs) We've all seen it. He's been carrying the Star Wars franchise. But, you know, that really got me thinking. You know, one of the things I'm such a fan, and you kind of alluded to this when you were kind of doing your opening thoughts, is the Mandalorian doesn't try to reinvent Star Wars for a new generation. Okay, it adds to the overall tapestry of this galaxy far, far away, but it also does have its own embellishments. You know, it brings back things that we know, like Boba Fett. I mean, come on, they give us a baby Yoda. I mean, come on. And then, of course, they even answer longstanding questions like what are those cylinders in an Imperial officer's pocket? You know. We don't, they're just like part of the outfit. No one ever sees them use them as keys. We see this stuff. So along with new planets, new environments, we still get those old kind of notes that we love. Star Wars isn't Star Wars unless you set foot on Tatooine at some point. Um, You know, the new creatures, you know, we have new creatures, but we still have those classics too. I got Nictos and Klaatus and Weequays and, and Jawas. And I love that. It's the perfect mix. To me, and this now we have them and now we have a mithril. We do. You know. Very yeah. much so. So this is an homage to George and, and that vision. So to me, that's the biggest thing about The Mandalorian season two, especially for me. Yeah, couldn't couldn't agree more. Couldn't agree more. They took what Star Wars was and just kept running with it. Mine goes right hand in hand with yours almost. Ludwig Goretzen mm-hmm. is a composer. Creed, Black Panther, Tenet. They got the music right. Mm-hmm. They got the sound design right. Rebel Force Radio and Paul Bateman have talked about the music being the oxygen of Star Wars. I would go even a step further and saying the sound design even is the oxygen. And without that vibe, you know, you don't get the weight. You don't get the adventure. You don't get the foreboding uh, that you do in an Imperial March or, you know, the fanfare of the rebellion lifting you to, to, to heights to challenge what's, what's right. You know, Ludwig Gorenson kind of take the, the Rocky themes that he had explored in Creed. The Western themes of this kind of backwater planets, the heroic adventures of the Black Panther and weaves them so wonderfully into this story. And, you know, you, you, you get that little, um, you know, whistle mm-hmm. sometimes in the soundtrack, you know, when he's coming into towns and different things, it just sounds like star Wars to me. It just puts you home almost. Yep. Yeah, uh, I mean, aside from just gushing about it, I mean, I really don't have any coherent thoughts other than just, it's just there. It just makes that tapestry so full. I mean, you have the visuals, you have the languages, you you know, and like Star Wars, you don't always get the subtitles. 
you know, with these alien languages. And that's something I really like. Uh, mm-hmm. Sometimes what's communicated with you through the dialogue when you don't get a subtitle is the return dialogue of, you know, a, a character that you're interacting with. It really keeps you in universe, I think. Uh, you know, just like, you know, the, the sound of the ships in the background and, and, the, and the towns. And, you know, it's so full. It's so developed. They really have hit a home run with the sound design for this thing. You know, I, I agree completely. The, the music, it, it's, it sets itself apart. You know, you, you know it's, it's, it's Mandalorian music, but it fits Star Wars. But all the other sounds are perfect. I mean, and they're recognizable sounds. The land speeders. Mm-hmm. When you hear that, you're like, that's a land speeder. I know yeah. that sound. You know, that, I mean, obviously the, the ties are, are so distinctive. You know, those twin ion engines. Yeah, that scream the, and, almost. Yeah. I mean, all of that's there. And, and to me, those are those touch points to the Star Wars universe that, that just bring you back. It takes me back to being that kid watching A New Hope first, watching Empire. Those sounds take me back. So, yeah. Well, as far as our fans, all I can say is, no, I have spoken. (laughs) Okay, as you heard all that rattling and commotion, we're back with our pans. Now, I know... We're, we've we've all given this an A plus. Mm-hmm. I know we've been gushing. I know this is a great show. There's tons of great stuff in here, but there's a few things that we could probably at least nitpick about Sam. I'm yep. going to lead off here. I was really taken out of this season especially. Um, I know we had talked about the different seasons. I think season one, you had some really high highs, but you also had some really low spots. You know, some 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 episodes or sections of episodes that just weren't quite hitting it for some folks. Some things that, you know, season two seems to have been pretty more consistently good. But some things that didn't hit it for me with season two, especially within the first three episodes, you almost turned into a monster of the week show. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you, you had the you know you had the the, the crate dragon, which is cool. I mean, who who didn't want to see a crate dragon? <laughs> oh yeah. I mean, yeah. Sign me up. You know, here's. <laughs> Here, Disney, take my money. You know? <laughs> you know, but but then you had the spiders in the cave. You, know, you had the Harry Potter spiders in the cave, and then you had the the, the creature in the in the tank. You know, uh, mm-hmm. on on Mon Calamari, and I was just like, okay, are we going to have a Monster of the Week show? <laughs> that that really brought me out of it. Mm-hmm. But then I'm probably going to turn this into another fan, and then Bo Katan shows up. And really just brings it to the whole next level. Yep. So uh, that that's really my pan is is you know just just when they were getting into that the first three episodes and, and I don't know if they were trying to find the gimmick for this season or if they just needed to to get some action to get them to that point you know to get to get past the frog lady and the eggs and the 
you know, to get the Boba Fett armor and have that introduction to Boba Fett. But, you know, I almost was like, okay, if this is what it's going to be, I'm not interested. Right. Love the monsters in Star Wars. Wasn't so much interested in a Monster of the Week show, though. I, I, I get that. You know, as cool it was, as it was, like you said, to see the Crate Dragon fully fleshed out, not just a skeleton. You know, yeah. You know, and, and even though it was cool that I think those spiders were a Ralph McQuarrie design from originally maybe Dagobah, if I remember mm-hmm. correctly. I think I they were think a design so. for something on Dagobah. That was cool. But, you know, yeah, it, it does get a little overboard when you get that monster of the week. All right. So for my pan, you talked about picking nits. And I really picked a nit when it comes to my pan tonight. Okay. Mando, Din Djarin is supposed to be this great Mandalorian. Why does he leave the boarding ramp on the Razor Crest down everywhere he goes? Think about this. How many times in two seasons did somebody sneak aboard the Razor Crest because he left the door open? <laughs> Give me a break. Apparently he never was the door open. <laughs> apparently he was not raised in the ghetto to lock up. You know? I mean, honestly. I mean, season one, Grief Karga get, gets on and, and gets the jump on him at, at the mm-hmm. towards the end of that season. Because he leaves the door open. Yep. Boba Fett could never have gotten the armor. Yeah. If he had left it open again. I mean, I'm I'm surprised the stormtroopers just didn't get off their, their transports and hop on the razor crest. Well, you I mean, know, how I mean, how easy was it for the Jawas to just completely disassemble the thing? Yeah, man. You know, I'm sorry. If I'm that bad a dude, nobody's going to mess with my ship. I you mean, know? apparently this is a classic rod. Yeah, that's, it's pre-Empire. <laughs> that's pretty funny. But I just kept thinking, every time he'd walk off, he always left the boarding ramp down. And then how many times did somebody get on board... You know, or something happened because he left it down. And I'm like, seriously? Well, I don't know how much you had gotten into the expanded universe, but do you remember, um, well, I said I don't know how much you got into the expanded universe, but I remember a lot of times, you know, reading about Boba Fett, you know, he would set up all these security alerts on his ship. Mm-hmm. He would lock it up and he had all these booby traps. Yep. Even if someone was able to bypass the outside and get to the inside. Which we got to see in this episode how the inside worked when that ship flipped Ooh. up, and that was pretty stinking cool. That that was almost a fan right there. So. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that was that was pretty awesome. Just but to yeah. see the slave one shift that way. So, but yeah, I mean, I guess the Mandalorian he's just either he's just either one he's just either too trusting, or he's too just so confident that he is the complete. Bad A that he is. <laughs> he just leaving the door open. I'll just I'll just deal with the guy, you know. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. That that, that just kind of stuck out to me. <laughs> yeah, that was pretty funny. That's pretty good. I like that. But yeah, that that was a uh, that was a hitch. And maybe with it being an older vehicle, maybe maybe he didn't have a spare key and had to leave the door open. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> you know, that's that that's that's my retcon in my head. He didn't have the spare key, Sam. He just needed a clicker. Beep, beep. <laughs> Bleep. There's no low jack in space. 
Well, as awesome a bounty hunter as he was, and Griff Carter kind of alluded that he was the best he had, you know, I'm sure that if the bounty hunters gave out awards, he would have quite a few. But there are some awards that we do need to give this show. Graphically Novel. Three brothers tackle a different graphic novel each week. Listen as the brothers Fugit discuss classic and not-so-classic graphic novels. Subscribe now on your podcast feed of choice. Graphically Novel. Three brothers who like each other but love comics. Alrighty, I'll lead off with best performance. And I think there's really only one right answer. Mm-hmm. And it's in the show title. The Mandalorian, Pedro Pascal. I mean, he really develops this character behind a mask. I know he unmasks a few times in the episode. But through his body language, through his spoken word, we have every nuance that we could want in his performance, I think. Uh, he, he, you know, the, the meme going around, you know, Pedro Pascal's in the hospital for carrying the entire Star Wars universe on his back, you know. I mean, this guy is knocking it out of the park with his performance. I know a lot of that is story, a lot of it's direction, a lot of it is taking in, you know, your, your actors acting with you. I mean, he's got a strong, great, great crew going with him, but, but I'm just going to best performance. Pedro Pascal is knocking it out of the park for me. Mm, okay. You know, when, when, when you said it's right in the title, I kept thinking, the title's not Baby Yoda. <laughs> no? Because that's my best performance. Baby Yoda, a.k.a. the child, a.k.a. Grogu, the puppeteers are my best performance. Yeah. Well, <laughs> because I'm telling you, much like Frank Oz did in Empire and Jedi, we're introduced to this new character in the Star Wars universe, and he has taken the world by storm. And these puppeteers gave, you know, a, a regular puppet, even an animatronic one, would not do that if these puppeteers had not been able to hit all of the emotions, the actions that really just melted our carbonite hearts. You know, I mean, it was just, it was perfect. You know, they brought this little critter up to life, and and like you said, he just, he was so endearing. And, and I just got to give performance to those puppeteers because they knew what they were doing. With, with that, with Grogu. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they really nailed it out of the park with him. Uh, and I love, you know, there's a couple, you know, there's there's so many memes come from this show. And, and two of my favorite ones is is you have one of Adam Driver trying to explain <laughs> yeah. the name of the show to Baby Yoda. And he says, say Manda. You see the video, say Manda. He said, Lorian. He said, Lorian. He said, okay. He said, the Mandalorian. He said, the Baby Yoda show. <laughs> <laughs> And then there's the other one, you know, you have, uh, you know, you have uh, the Ewoks and you have BB-8 and you're saying, you know, we're the cutest things in the Star Wars universe. <laughs> Baby Yoda says, oh, hold my blood milk. You know, <laughs> you know I've, I've, I've got this, guys. You just go over there. But yeah. 
Oh. Baby Yoda is great, and you know, and all of his misadventures. You know, he he, he eats the cookies and gets sick. He, yes. he 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 can't figure out where to plug the wires. <laughs> uh, he's always wandering off, and getting lost, uh, mm-hmm. eating the eggs. Uh, yeah, he's he's I, great. I tell you though, man, talking about him getting sick on the cookies when he was throwing his hands up, screaming when they were twisting. <laughs> I just I just cackled. <laughs> But, but you know, Dwayne, that does bring us to best scene. Oh, yeah. And even though that's not my best scene, that was one of my favorite scenes, I will admit. But my best scene has to be from Chapter 14, The Tragedy. Mm. Boba Fett gets to dance. And boy, does he do. The most visceral, action-packed use of Boba I've ever seen. And it was great. Robert Rodriguez knew what he was doing with that character, and he leveled him up. The modified gaffy stick, just the whole nine. I mean, I was cheering the entire time. So, uh, yeah, Boba getting to strut was definitely something that made me happy. (laughs) Yeah, that is probably one of the most intense episodes. Mm-hmm. Of the whole series, uh, the, the tragedy episode of fourteen, where, where they where they go to the Jedi Rock you know, on the hilltop. Um, a thing in Star Wars I love is how they can go to a planet, and out of this humongous planet, they can find from space the right spot to land. That's right. <laughs> you know uh, the right spot near the rock, the right spot where Yoda's going to pop up, the right you know the right spot you know where Mos Eisley. Yeah, there's yeah. Coincidence, love it. Perfect. But, uh, now, yeah, that, that if if we were going with best episode, that would probably be it. But best scene for me, um, I'm going with. Uh, and I don't know if you noticed this, Sam, but while these episodes were airing, even until the end of the season, because you know they did the week by week mm-hmm. until the end of the season, they only done chapter numbers. Yes, chapter number, and then once the season ended they went back and put the title to each episode hmm. i don't know if you noticed that i much did like, pay attention to that much like episode four these weren't titled until ah, later um, you know, okay, new, i didn't notice yeah but uh episode three of season two chapter 11 the the, the heiress mm. bo-katan shows up with her mandalorian cohorts <clears throat> Din Djarin is freaked out that they take their masks off. <laughs> but then they proceed to attack an Imperial freighter. That's my favorite scene. Ah, there uh, we go. You see, you see in the Mandalorians in action as a group, an organized-ish assault. Right. You know, they're, you know in season one, you see the Mandalorians evacuating um what was the planet there uh, navarro navarro um, yep. i kept wanting to go lothal but that's rebels but mm-hmm. navarro um I'll, I'll remember that dave navarro Jacob yep that's navarro. how i remember it <laughs> <laughs> okay it's a word association here okay uh, yeah on uh, but you've seen the mandalorians come out of hiding uh, mm-hmm. fighting the bounty hunters guild in season one but you know that was kind of an impromptu defense that they that they had you know they were on the retreat but this one you see the mandalorians on the offense raiding the cruiser taking it out section by section 
you guys locked yourselves in on the wrong side of the door. <laughs> and they go to the bridge. Yeah. It's I loved that that incursion. It was yeah. just so much fun. So much fun. And I'll tell you what what a, a leader Katie Sackoff is as Bocantal mm-hmm. with with her little Mando crew. Yeah, I loved it. And you know, to me that that really harkens back to the character in Clone Wars and how the the Mandalorians worked as a unit. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and they they brought that to live action, and that's just that's just cool to see. And I did love the fact, and I think um, they talked about this maybe in the, in that little special that came out on Christmas Day that they didn't want, you know, Mando being part of that. So you'll notice he always hangs back; he doesn't look really like he's he's comfortable in that group. Yeah. You know, and I thought that was important also. I agree with them. If he would have fallen in line and looked like he was part of that unit, I don't think it would have been his Bible. No, so. it definitely wouldn't have been his Bible. And his and his body, like I said, you know, his body language, you know, in that armor is everything. Mm-hmm. I mean, he doesn't have the face acting to rely on, but yeah, the way he hung back, the way he, you know, kind of didn't take the orders from time to time, the way he, okay, guys cover me i'm going to do this you know and and then that final push to get into the bridge oh yeah was just was just phenomenal agreed and and it was so great like you said you know bringing in a bringing in the voice actress for bo katan from rebels and you know the clone wars so katie sackoff was a great nod to those um i wish they would have done something with ashley Eckstein as ahsoka if it would have even just been a voice. Right. But, I mean, but Rosario Dawson was phenomenal in the role. And I mean, I think it was a really, really great casting. So, so is that going into your best character, Dwayne? Well, you know, it could <laughs> have went into my best character. And I do love the character of Ahsoka. But, you know, mm-hmm. this show is about the Mandalorian. And I'm not going to do Oscar rules. I'm not okay. even hedging my bets. I mean, I'm just going all in, cards on the table, Mandalorian, best character. Yeah. Yeah, I'm just saying that's all I need to say. You know, and, and honestly, it, I, I did kind of go Oscar rules. But I went Mando for best character also. Um, you know, the performance for Baby Yoda was great, but when you come down to a character and how this character is designed, what Pedro Pascal brings to the character, it was just fantastic. Um, you know, from chapter one to chapter 16, we see so much growth. And by the, by chapter 16, that interactions with, with Grogu, the kid, there's just so heartwarming. And, and it just, it, I mean, you, you could, there's a couple scenes there that, that could have got a little dusty, I think. Oh, yeah. You know, and it, and I think it's important because it sets him apart from the other Mandalorians that we see. It sets him apart from the armor. It sets him apart from Bo-Katan. You know, even Boba Fett, he's his own Mando. And a lot of it is where he's a foundling. Uh, but like I said, he's totally, I agree, best character. Yeah, well, I mean, what you, you think, you see his character go from this strictly cold hunter, you know, mm-hmm. and you see him, you know, when he approaches the Mithra, you know, I can bring you in hot or I can bring you in cold. It doesn't matter to me. <laughs> Whatever, you know. He takes him onto the ship. The guy's just running his mouth and talking. 
he never flinches, never sheds, you know, never shows the first bit that he's even acknowledging that this guy exists. It's cold. And then, you know, he goes and gets, you know, the asset. The child. And then he's like, so what are you going to do with it? And then you see those wheels start to turn. You get the flashbacks of him in the assault, you know, when the Mandalorians come to rescue him during the Clone Wars. You see that. You see him forming ties with Grief Cargo, with, uh, you know, Cara Dune. You know, even uh, with the, uh, the the crew that he broke into the uh, um, prison ship with, mm-hmm. you know, those guys, and, and and the guy that even comes back in this season, you see him. You know, the Mandalorian in season four. I mean, season one, episode four, I think it is, when he's on the the planet with the sh- with the blue shrimps. You know, mm-hmm. and they they take out the walker, he meets Cara Dune. You know. And, and you know, there's the the widow there, yeah. And, and she's offering him a life. She's offering him an out. You know, you can stay here, and you know, we can have something. Yeah. The Mandalorian in that episode is not the same Mandalorian in episode thirteen who takes his helm off. No. Or episode nope. fourteen who takes right. his helm off. You know, um, and in the uh, in the. Uh, Imperial base to get into the computer to get this information to find out some stuff. You know, it's not the same character. That character growth is so developed through definitely. The show. Yeah, yeah, that's it. That's I agree, hundred percent there. Actually, well, Sam, we've said a lot, but these characters in the show have said quite a bit. So let's take it out with best quote. Okay. Um, you know, you mentioned one of my favorite quotes. It wasn't my best. I love when Mando was like, I can take you in cold or, you know, that deal. I like that. That And, and then when the other guy uses it, I think it's in season one, isn't it? And he's like, that's my line or something like that. Yeah. So it's pretty funny. But, um, you know, one of the things that excited me in this season, season two, was definitely Ahsoka. Um and one of my favorite quotes from her from that just amazing episode, hands down, an amazing episode, was, I like firsts, good or bad. They're always memorable. And I like that. <laughs> That's a good one. That's a good one. I'm, I'm going classic. I'm going just, just old school, solid. And this quote has been everywhere. But it really to me, epitomizes the show. This is the way. This is the way. There you go. This is is how we do Star Wars. This is how we do it. This is the way. When when you said a a quote that epitomizes Star Wars, I kept going, I don't remember anybody going, I've got a bad feeling about this. (laughs) (laughs) I wonder... And, and, you know, a lot of times I've had to even think with the movies. You know, that's one of the things that George has always pipped through. I wonder if someone just said that or something similar, mm-hmm. you know, through through different episodes. This would be a neat little thing to, to kind of tread out there. But, you know, there's some great stuff in here.
So here we go. We're getting to our episode-specific awards now. I'm going to lead off with the best new character. And you know, I, I really had to think about this for a minute because we're introduced to so many characters. Mm-hmm. You know, we're introduced to Caradun, we're introduced to Grief Karg, we're introduced to Bo-Katan, we're introduced to Ahsoka, you know. A couple of those are characters that have already been around a little bit. Some mm-hmm. of those characters are characters coming on from episode or from season one. Um, so I'm, I'm going with a, a, a guy who was introduced to us near the end of season one. But Moff Gideon. Mm. Giancarlo Esposito. Man, oh man. I love me some Star Wars villain. And this guy is about the most villainous that I've seen of the Star Wars films. He's he's a moth. He's a warrior. He's a leader. He's a zealot. Mm-hmm. He's a, a fanatic. Is he a psychopath? Is he just calculating? I mean, he, he is a tough dude. And he just portrays this. Got it all under control. Even when he doesn't. Mm-hmm. He's just cool as a cucumber. I love me some Moff Gideon. Cool. And you know, one of the things with that character is, up until the duel scene, he was just this, I mean, smooth as butter. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, he was ice cold. I mean, really. That the it's like when Mando turned his back, it's just like you almost like that rage comes out, and it's just like a different look on his face, Mm. you know. So, so I like that little twist. Um, you know, I was kind of in the same boat with you as new character, you know, because there are there are some characters that were introduced in season one. We have characters who who basically, you know, like Boba Fett go all the way back to the original trilogy. So sometimes it's tough to to call that a new character, even though this is the first time we've seen, you know, Tamora Morrison playing Boba Fett, so to speak. Um, but in Chapter 11, The Heiress, you mentioned Bo-Katan. I really liked Cosca Reeves, the other Mandalorian, yeah. played by Mercedes Bernardo, or as she's better known in the wrestling ring as Sasha Banks. So she is a WWE wrestler, actually. Um, And and I was real pleased that she brought a lot to this because she was cool. She took no guff, and she didn't care to go toe-to-toe with Boba Fett. And that was awesome. I loved, you know, throwing in, I guess, another scene to go with this character. (sighs) Just that that fight in the bar, man, between her and Boba was so good. Um, Just the contempt she had for him as a clone, uh, she went back and down, and I just thought that made her cool. So, yeah, she was really awesome. Uh, I love that they're bringing in, you know, these characters, you know, these actors that you know, come from somewhere else. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, her and uh, you know, oh shoot, uh, Cara Dune, Cara Dune. Uh, Gina Carano. Yes. Uh, they're both, you know, uh, Gina Carano, I think, is an MMA fighter. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, so she's definitely got the toughness, the physicality. You know, uh, like you said, Sasha Banks, uh, you know, 
Mercedes. I mean, and who would need to change that name? Why would you change your name from from Mercedes to, to Sasha? I mean, whatever. I, I think she missed the boat there, but uh, yeah. I, I love the physicality that they bring. And yeah, they've got some acting chops to go with it. They really do. You know, which was you know, a <clears throat> big surprise. Mm-hmm. Well, well, you know, the, the thing is, I don't keep up with wrestling. Back when I was younger, I did. But, you know, there's a lot of story to it. And there's a yep. lot of storytelling to those matches than, than I think sometimes that we know about. So, I mean, you've got to be a good actor to be able to play even a, a role like that. As yeah, a well, I, I, so. yeah, I'm with you. I, I completely, you know, have, have left wrestling behind, you know, as, as a youngster. But, you know, you really think about the physicality, the athleticism to it, the, the ability to act. And to you know, pull the crowd mm-hmm. toward you know, toward a face or a heel, really is underrated a lot for those guys. Agree. But you know, I alluded to a big surprise you know, seeing mm-hmm. some of these guys act. That's our next award, the biggest surprise of this season. And I'm leading off here. And you know, there's one thing that I said I didn't need. There's some, you know, there's 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 a thing I said I I don't need. You know, these classic characters to come back. I don't need to see Luke. I don't need to see Han. I don't need to see Leia. I don't need to see R2 and C-3PO. I need my Star Wars universe to be bigger. But I guess the mouse knows better. (laughs) I I, I, I guess John Favreau and Dave Filoni said, you know, hey, we're going to give you Luke Skywalker and we're going to make you love. We're going to make you know that you needed this, even when you said you didn't need this or want this. But that was the biggest surprise for me. And I was so, I was kind of in denial. I was like, no, they're not going to go there. They're not going to. The the season has been so great. The series has been so phenomenal on its own. They don't need it. They don't need it. Don't even go there. But then when that X Wing landed, Mm -hmm. I said, Oh, I bet that's either going to be Ahsoka has gotten her a, a Rebel X-Wing, or if they're going to be desperate, they're going to get Luke. And then Luke <laughs> comes out, and Luke has his Vader at the end of, of Rogue One walking down the hall, just mm-hmm. ripping through these troopers. Luke had that moment, and he owned it. Oh yeah, and uh, yeah, I loved it. Uh, I, I, in spite of myself, I loved it. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I guess that I loved it so much, and that Luke actually showed up was my biggest surprise. And you know, they did that perfectly. You saw the X-Wing, so it got you thinking, okay, you know, in The Mandalorian, they usually bring the band back together at the last episode. Maybe it is Ahsoka, and then you see the cloak, and then you see the belt buckle, and then you see this lightsaber hilt and the glove, you know, and then you see that saber, the snap hiss when that saber lights up, and it's green, and you're like, oh yeah, yeah, <laughs> oh yeah. 
Yeah, that was killer. Well, I mean, I agree with you. That was the biggest, one of the biggest surprises for me. And and there's so many cool things that happen in this season. Um, you know, a season three, I, I'd be so interested to see where they go. Could they top how good this season was? You know, but there was another one for me that really made me cheer. When the story closes in chapter 16, I noticed the time. There's like five minutes left. What in the world? So, of course, like anybody who, who's watched plenty of Marvel movies, we forwarded that baby. Let's see what is going on here. And then we get it. We get Boba Fett and Fennec Shand going into Jabba's palace. Mm-hmm. Killing Bib Fortuna who is holding the action figure staff, which made me happy, you know? (laughs) And then we get the book of Boba Fett. That made me happy. That was my best surprise because I wasn't expecting. I mean, how many years have we heard, oh, they're going to do a Boba Fett movie. They're going to do a Boba Fett spinoff. They're going to, and it's never happened. Oh, they're going to work him into, you know, Star Wars 1313. And then the next thing, now we get the book of Boba Fett coming December 2021. Um, And I don't know about you, but I want to see Boba's smugglers take on Maul's Crimson Dawn. Oh, that would be nice. I want to see the real underworld showdown coming down between those two. So... (laughs) Yeah, that that would be pretty good. That'd be pretty good. But yeah, I love that at the end too. You know, wasn't quite expecting that after credit scene, but you know, in every other episode, you know, you had the artwork, you had the the, the different. It, it was ending, and this one it ended differently. And so I'm I'm glad. Uh, I actually didn't hang out for that. I I had to go back mm-hmm. after Sammy. You had clued me into that. Um, as I had, I had already watched it, and you were like, "Did you see the after credits scene?" I'm like, oh, "Hold on a minute." <laughs> <You know? laughs> after and, credits, uh, yeah. What, what? What say you? But yeah, but Boba, Boba Fett, uh, you know, going into Jabba's palace and just turn, just going all old man Conan oh, in no. there I, and, I, I, and I, setting yeah. up shop and just just taking that throne was was amazing. Was amazing. Loved it. Yeah, but you know, there there is a, a character actor. He's played a bounty hunter before he's the ruler of our hearts i know for sure if not ruling from Jabba's palace like boba is keanu reeves there's there's a connection apparently jamie was able to find us a mm-hmm. keanu connection to the mandalorian sam if it's okay with you i'm gonna go ahead and read off uh, the jamie's prepared statement here go for it sir sometimes there are actors you just like they give off a cool vibe and you know that you want to see more of stuff they're in like when i saw nathan fillion on two guys a girl in a pizza place or donald glover allison brie on community or the entire cast of the IT crowd. You can tell Jamie wrote this. Uh, <laughs> but there are some projects that are so bad, they can derail even a good vibe and a great talent. For example, Jennifer Garner in Electra, 
or Ryan Reynolds in Green Lantern. <laughs> this week's Keanu Connection was one of these guys for me. John Linguizamo was in a bunch of interesting movies in the 90s, and I instantly liked the guy and was waiting to see what his career was going to look like. Then came Super Mario Brothers. And then what was a nearly kiss-of-death career, or a kiss-of-career-death spawn. <laughs> it took a while to recover from these messes, but he bounced back and did some really cool stuff, which is being annoying, cyclopic gangster who got fed to street monsters by Mando and Baby Yoda. But he also appeared in two John Wick movies. Oh. So, John Linguizamo is this week's Keanu Connection. <gasps> I love me some John Linguizamo. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm always down to see what, what he's going to do next. He's, he's an actor. He's almost a chameleon. He really transforms uh, into whatever role he's in. You know, and, and, and he was the perfect actor to do the voice you know, for, for that character, um, as far as in, in Mandalorian, I just, I mean, for the moment he speaks, you're like, yeah, I know who that is. Yep. I, kn- so. I know the guy. Yeah. And this is pretty early in, uh, in the season. I think it's a uh, partway through episode one. Uh, he's, he's mm-hmm. in the, like the arena where they're fighting in the Cyclops. Uh, yeah. He takes out hangs up, uh, yeah, from the street lot. Uh, really, really great Keanu connection. Really yep. great character and character actor. And, you know, a really great actor who has been a chameleon, mainly through CGI, is Andy Serkis. Mm-hmm. Andy Serkis has, uh, you know, done any, everything from King Kong to Gollum. Well, he's revisiting the monkeys, Sam. <laughs> he's, he's, he's revisiting the monkeys like Kong, but... Uh, this uh, time, he's a smart monkey. He's, he's a right. talking ape named now, hold on. Caesar. Don't call him a monkey. He will get very offended. Okay. Well, <laughs> I've, I've not, I've not uh, had the opportunity to <laughs> view these, uh, these uh, movies. Uh, and it's been a big gap. Uh, I've always been interested, but I've never quite you know, had the opportunity or desire or access to, to get into the new Planet of the Apes series. Yeah. So, in uh, classic nerd fashion, we're not right. reviewing the first one. <laughs> we're not reviewing the first one. We're reviewing, um, what is this, the, the, the third one? Uh, the let's see. You got Rise, Dawn, and then War. And war. Okay, so, so, yes. one. so War for the Planet of the Apes. Jamie's pick. This is Jamie speaking. I believe this is Matt Reeves directing, if I remember just a little bit of quick research I did. Um, yeah, I believe Matt Reeves uh, is directing these. So I can see why Jamie would probably like this one more than the original Planet of the Apes with Mark Wahlberg, because that's Tim Burton. And I know Jamie <laughs> doesn't like Tim Burton that much. So, well, no, no, it's not the original Planet of the Apes. No, not the Tim original, but but the, the remake, I should say, I guess. Yeah, we need to go all the way back to Moses uh, with Charlton <laughs> Heston and the original Planet of the Apes. Yeah. So. But now this isn't streaming for free anywhere. It is a three ninety nine rental if you don't have it on your bookshelf. For most places... Uh, Amazon, Vudu, um, Apple TV, you know, etc. 
You can find it for three ninety nine at most of those uh, as of right now, the time of recording. Uh, that may change in the next few days. It seems like stuff's getting added and taken away from your uh, recording uh, or your streaming services most places. Yeah. All right. Well, um, I guess, Dwayne, as we're preparing to uh, do a little bit of war for the Planet of the Apes, what are we going to do, sir? Well, Sammy... We're going to damn those dirty apes as we keep it in our